Hello, and welcome back to Tragic Comic, a coming of age podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ortizio, and first things first, I want to apologize for missing last week's episode. My guest and I had been too busy working on a special project that we'll get into in a bit. Anyways, said guest that is here with me today is one of my great buddies and a true dog, no matter how much he denies it, Ed Kim. Ed is a Korean-American radio television film major at UT Austin and is one of the coolest guys I know. He knows about 80% of the entire UT student population and 95% if you're only talking Asian students. <laughs> He's chasing a career in the media industry and has great deliverables to his name, but doesn't gloat about them, which brings me to what might be my favorite thing about him, his humility. Ed is great at filmmaking, is loved by all who get to know him, yet is still humble in his way of living. He might claim it's due to him being a shy guy, but I think he's just a good guy. Ed, I'll try not to embarrass you anymore. How are you feeling today? I feel great. Damn, that was like nice thing I've ever heard in 2023. Probably oh, past few years, to be honest, yeah. Oh, was, good. Maybe blush a little bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> Got some Asian glow going? Yeah. Okay, well, this is a special episode of Tragic Comic because we're not actually reviewing any movie. Instead, we're talking about a film, a documentary rather, that Ed and I are currently producing. And before I give my spiel about it, I wanna hear your synopsis of the documentary first. So what you think the documentary is about, how you see it playing out, and kind of how it's going on in your head. Okay, uh, you want me to go now? Yeah. All right, so basically the way I see it is Andrew, Andrew and I are both uh, Asian American. Mm-hmm. Asian dash American. Yeah. And like growing up, I guess I always felt like, like whenever I hang out with my Korean friends, I don't feel Korean enough. But when I hang out with my white friends, I don't feel white enough. So like, where do I stand, you know? And especially when I like go, go and travel, like I've been in Korea before, but I'm not seen as a Korean. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'm in the US, I don't feel like comfortable as an American, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's where this pot or not the podcast. That's where this documentary roots from, I guess. Um, especially in the Philippines, like you're going and you're gonna experience all this, and I guess trying to like break it down in a documentary style type form of content. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I'm glad we're on the same page about everything because yeah. we've worked on it for so long. But I really think so. The the documentary is entitled Bahalana, which roughly translates to "Whatever happens, happens," and it's seen in different ways in the Philippines. One is a way that's more pessimistic, like, I didn't study for this test, so we'll just take it in Bahalana, like, whatever happens, happens. But in other times, it's more of like, you know, I've done the best that I can do, Bahalana. There's not much I can do it else, but let go and let God, you know, that type of beat. But um, in this documentary, me and Ed will be going back to the Philippines in April um, to discover my own identity. Um, I was born half Filipino and half white, and I think that's something that I've always kind of struggled with in the idea of not being a real Filipino, but definitely not being a white guy. And so it leads to weird struggles of identity and familiar relations and ethnicity whenever you really truly don't know who you are. And so we started really the conception and pre-production of everything of this in the beginning of 2023. Um, and since then, we've had a lot of meetings with different consultants, meetings with ourselves, trying to figure everything out. We shot the first couple of interviews back at my house with my white mom and my Filipino father. Um, and then Tuesday is a big day for us, which is when we go live with everything. So we have this podcast that we're shooting right now. We have a photo shoot on Sunday um, for pictures. And then I already cut together an initial teaser trailer. And so all of those plus a Indiegogo campaign will go live on Tuesday. And we'll try to get fundraising and support for our project. 
And although this is our project, and essentially it is, you know, my story of coming to understand my own identity, I think we both can really relate and promote that this is not just a story for us, that it's a story and a documentary for everyone who has questioned their identity, for all Asian Americans who feel like they don't belong in their own family or they don't belong in the States, or even when they go back to their home country, they don't feel like real ones. It's to everyone who's had the questions that have kept them up at night of who am I? And so, although we're gonna go to the Philippines and we're gonna have all the fun making it, I think that this story is for all of us. Um, yeah, and so, um, I'll put the link at the end of this. Donate, please, it would help us out so much. We're two college students, 20 and 21 years old, broke as fuck, um, but we're, this is something that we're really passionate about, and so we'd love any support that we can get on it, um, and it would mean the world to us. Um, but that's all my spiel, I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. I'm um, that excited, that's all I gotta say. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so fucking yeah. excited, dude. Okay, well then my first question is, what does making this documentary mean to you? Man, so I feel like if you look at media, like growing up for me, I didn't have many um, Asian American like idols to look up to in media. Mm -hmm. Like I think my favorite or the person I looked up to the most was like Shia LaBeouf. And like looking back at it, like I, I was trying to like resemble myself with him, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not white, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, I need to be like this guy. But now like in today's media, Asian people are like growing up more or like they're immersed more in media now. Yeah. So I feel like us going out there filming this documentary about this topic that we grew up with, the struggle that we grew up with, it's gonna help others understand what it's like. I guess kind of raise awareness, but also like gives give people like a place to like see themselves. Yeah, see themselves. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I think as much as we're not like, like there are tons of Asians, you know, yeah. in the world, like in UT even, but in the media where we both want to work and where we both are avid consumers, there's really not that many yeah. like famous Asian guys. I'd say in like our department, there's only like five. 10, Dude, yeah, maybe even less. And like, if you think about like the Asian people that we see in movies that we can look up to, it's like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Henry Golding, who's great, mm -hmm. the guy from Crazy Rich Asians, but there's really not many. Totally agree. And so it's tough growing up doing that, or like, and not seeing yourself on screen. And like, obviously, I think that there recently has been like a lot of like, recognition towards more of like diversity and inclusion in the media mm -hmm. but and although it's amazing i like can't promote it anymore i think it's amazing um i think a lot of that has come within the black community and the hispanic community where they're giving these big roles and like they're really trying to listen to the voices of these minority groups while it seems to be leaving us out yeah which is tough um but okay so i also wanted to ask because i really am interested what were your thoughts when I first pitched this idea to you? Just pitched the idea to you. And this was probably a while ago. And then what were your thoughts when I first approached you seriously about hopping on board and coming with me? You told me about it like, what, last semester, right? I think so. Honestly, I thought, I knew it was gonna happen. I was like, but I didn't think you were gonna actually hit me up to like, go. Yeah. Cause it all happened so quickly. Like, yeah. you booked the tickets in less than like a week. Dude, of, like, literally. If you like telling me like, let's do this. Mm -hmm. um, but what were my thoughts you said? Yeah. Going into it, I was like, wow, this is like, big like yeah. i've never done anything this big before like project wise i've only done like music video shoots like for school projects but i was mm -hmm. like wow it's actually something that can like benefit our community like the people yeah. that we grew up with and also inspire others to like not be afraid of like you know going out there and making something for them like similar you know mm -hmm. so little 
honestly like a little nervous for for the philippines but like yeah. more excited than nervous mm -hmm. um but the whole thing the whole time i was just like damn let's do it like let's fucking yeah. film a fucking documentary you I know? know dude that's like that's what i think about all the time or like i'll like put in a fucking text or like email to you at the end i'll be like let's fucking make a movie yeah like, that's crazy you told me that side of chipotle too you're like yeah 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 <laughs> you're like down each other every like let's fucking make a movie i'm like damn because <laughs> dude that shit is crazy like and like even if we're like stressed out about it we feel like we have a lot of work like mm -hmm. come like fuck it's february now a couple months from now we would have shot a movie it would be 21 years old yeah like even if the movie sh even if the doc is shit which, like, I don't think it will be, obviously. But, like, not many people can say that no matter what. I think us doing this right now is an accomplishment in itself. Mm -hmm. Even, I, like, taking the first initial steps to, like... Yeah. And I don't mean that in, like, an egotistical way. Because, again, like, we've never fucking made a movie before. Like, it could be bad. Yeah. But at least we tried, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's awesome. And I think that's so crazy that, like... Because, like, for me, it's, like, me going back to, like, my father's village that I've been to before. But for you to hop on to a country you've never been to with like like with me with this project like that's crazy like i had so much respect for you when you were like fuck it let's do it i'm like, very like um what's it called like last minute type of guy yeah you no know, i hate like planning for things but as soon as you told me i was like yeah i'll probably go <laughs> yeah hopped on one call with my mom and like mm -hmm. yeah go for it i'm like okay because i remember shot you text back <laughs> <laughs> i remember like we had like joked about it i was like fuck it, bro come with me and you're like bet i'm down and i was yeah. like i was just playing no i'm serious but bro. then it was like after producing class one day i think uh -huh. We were like walking out of Moody. I was like, bro, I got to ask you for real. Like, do you want to come with me? And you're like, I'm going to call my mom. And then in like three days, bro, we bought tickets. Yeah. Like that shit's crazy. Okay. Well, then I also want to ask you this. Um, and I wonder if we have similar ones or not. But what are your goals for this documentary? Goals for the documentary. Well, are you talking about like in a technical aspect or in like um, storytelling? Either. Either or. Just like what comes up when you think of like the goals for this project? So my strong suit, I think, is filming, but I'm not good with like audio equipment and stuff. So mm -hmm. hopefully I can get that tied down like before we actually leave for the Philippines. But we got plenty of time to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like inspirational goals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like whenever I do go on trips, I, I can always take something out of it. Like growing mm -hmm. up, I always used to go to like mission trips and stuff. Like I went to DR, Haiti. Um, and like going to these like third ward is Philippines third third world, third ward, yeah. you like kind of realize like how blessed you are living mm -hmm. in the U.S. Like being able to even like major in RTF. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. My parents were immigrants. I know your your dad was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's always good to like. It's kind of like a quick reality check, going back mm -hmm. to these like your parents' place or, for me going back to Korea. I'm like, damn. Never forget where you came from. Yeah. yeah. I think. I mean, I have similar ones, obviously, but I think like more like technical ones, whatever. I want to get into at least one festival. I think that'd be dope. And I really want to have a public screening at UT. I was thinking the same thing. Right. You know, I've been daydreaming that. I'm like, bro, really? I can see us like us in the Union Theater. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like, especially because like this is made in coordination with like the honors program and with PJ. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, like, Equipment Checkout will know us, too, because we're taking all the shit over. Like, I think that's definitely possible. And, like, being able to have a place where, like, all of our friends can, like, come watch it. Yeah. Dude, that'd be, like, a dream. That'd be crazy. But I think more, like, personal goals. Um, I think this comes at such, like, 
a unique and important time in our life that we're making this trip, like 2021, a year before we like enter the quote unquote real world. I feel like this is like a great time to get that like reality check. I agree. Like to be honestly, like I think it's going to humble us a lot. Yeah. And I think it couldn't really come at a better time just because I feel like right now, like so many people, like I think myself included for sure are just caught up on like what internships am I or like, do I have now? What internship am I applying to? Like what job am I going to get when I get out of college? But like, like obviously that's not all that fucking matters in the world. Yeah. I think going over there, and like learning about myself and learning about ourselves and like just experiencing the way of life, I think is going to give us a whole different perspective whenever we come back. Cause like the last time I went, I was 16 and it definitely changed my life. Like I saw things differently, mm-hmm. but I'm so much more grown up now. And so like the adults there are now our peers, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of them like don't go to school. So they're working when they turn 18. And you so you feel like you'll be able to connect with them more now, now that you're older. I think so. And I think I'll also just like, no more yeah like there'll be more shits like relate about but i think we'll learn about ourselves both like in terms of our identities like our ethnicities but also just like our morals and like what we're really passionate about and like our empathy everything i think we'll learn a lot and that's definitely a big goal of mine is to learn that mm. um okay on the flip side what are your fears of this documentary Ooh, like what could go wrong yeah like what makes you nervous what are you scared that might happen shit like that i am a little scared about budgeting i know like we have to raise around like roughly what five five k yeah four five four five k um i don't mind paying out of pocket at all but it would be nice to like because we are still students it'd be nice to like cover some camera expenses and stuff yeah. but i'm not too worried about that um for other parts i am worried about like me going and then like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to do much for for the documentary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just put a lot of pressure on myself, which I need to, I need to stop that. Yeah. But I think you should alleviate that pressure because I think, like, you're going to be, like, the ACAM guy, you know? Like, I think it does root for me, like, being Asian American, though. Because, like, really? growing up, like, my parents, it took me a lot of convincing to, like, want to do a film. I was really? Like, yeah. My parents really wanted me to, like, go into something more, quote, unquote, safe. Sure. Um but a lot of hard conversations. My sister kind of led that pathway for me because she's a creative she's director. Adver- she was was she like advertising when she was here? She was advertising. She, was advertising? she started off as pre med. Oh, so she damn. like yeah, she cut that path for me, and now I'm like following her footsteps. But like I feel like if I don't, if I'm like not successful in what I do, like my projects, then I'll just feel really bad. Yeah, because you know I, I could have went the safer route. But yeah, and like finally getting them, finally convincing them to let you do this like has to be pressure to like succeed because if yeah. you convince them to do it and then don't succeed I'm like fuck but no i think you're gonna i think like in the finished version of the doc the majority of the footage that shot would have been at your fingertips you know like i think you'll be a cam and you'll really be like guiding stuff visually while i'm kind of like directing the questions and shit like that mm-hmm. but i don't see this as like because of that reason, I don't see this as, like, my project with your help. Like, it's definitely, we're making this in collaboration. Mm. Because, like, when we get over there, and because, like, some of it is, like, my family, so it'll be easier for me to talk to them. But you'll be recording everything. Yeah. And so, I don't, no, I don't think you should be scared about that at all. But budgeting, the finances, I'm worried about it a little. I think I'll worry about it more in, like, a week. Yeah. Or maybe not worry about closer. it in a week. 
Who like, knows, bro? We can have exactly. You know, like we after get lucky. Tuesday, we could have. I don't know how much we'll have, but and then after Tuesday too is whenever we'll start doing grant stuff, and so that might help because then if we get one grant, that's thousand bucks. That is true. That's, that's already like a fourth. Yeah, exactly. What we need. Um, I'm I'm nervous. I'm I'm scared that. One thing I am nervous about, and this isn't like about even really the documentary itself, but that I'm going to go over there and we're going to make this. And then in the process, I'll feel less connected with people. Because mm, so? I'm, I'm almost in fear that like I have like certain perceptions of myself now that like I'm very different from them, but we still have this like familial connection. Like we'll always be connected. But really, like I feel like I might go over there and we learn really the way of life there and it's truly just so different from how we live and then i feel less connected i see what you mean like you feel like it won't help you like resonate yeah but i think like either way it'll help me understand who i am but it might just mean that i actually am less connected to my filipino side than i think and i don't think that's Damn, like that is kind of scary to think about you know yeah because like my my thoughts are that like i'm much more connected to my filipino side but I really don't know why. And like, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Like while we're making this, like, do I only feel f- more Filipino? Cause I don't want to be white, you know? Like I'd mm. have like this, like, cause I am half white. Like I have this white guilt that I'm not even a real minority. And so I just claim my Filipino status so that like, I seem like a minority. What would you say? Like, what do you feel like right now? Do you feel more white or more Filipino? I think I definitely feel more Filipino. Um, but I think a lot of that is just because I don't look white. Like, I don't think many people would look at me. But you also don't look Filipino. Yeah. When I, I first met you, I thought you were like Hispanic. Yeah. Hispanic or, yeah. or Asian or something. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. But I you are I'm, Asian. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I'm farther from white than I am from Filipino. I see. Cause like, I think you could look at some Filipinos and be like, Oh, he kind of looks like that guy. But if you put me in a room, which was like, like fucking Faisai, uh-huh. I'm not going to look like dumb fools. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, we look different. Um, That's a big part of why why I left my fraternity, too. Like, mm-hmm. it just did not... I don't know. End of the day, I was like, I can't really resonate with some of these guys. Like, these are my friends. These are my dogs. Like, I'll still talk to them and everything. But, like, mm-hmm. end of the day, like, they don't understand how I grew up. They don't understand how my parents grew up. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a... I think that's a big thing. And I think, like, even... Like, we're in the same boat. We're, like, we grew up in the States. But, like because we have immigrant parents or an immigrant parent for me, like we'll always carry that with us. I think that impacts truly like everything. Like even if you come from a lot of money or no money, if your parents are immigrants, that I think that's like the biggest factor in a lot of things. Like I think it dictates so much of like your morals and your beliefs on certain things that like certain white people, I don't want to generalize a whole ethnicity, whatever. I mean, fuck, I don't care. But like (laughs) some white people are just cut from different cloths. Like, they're just so different, like, almost, like, fundamentally. Yeah. Which is just crazy. And that's another th- reason why I do I, why I think I do feel Filipino, is that, like, I'll see these white guys, white women, too, girls, too. But, like, and I just feel so different from them. Yeah. Uh, Low-key, like, sometimes I almost feel, like, intimidated. Really? Sometimes, yeah. What do you mean by intimidated? Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes, like, when you go out to, like, these... Like, even going out to 6th Street, yeah. like, it's so, like, predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, I can't really, like, I don't see, like, people like me yeah. around here. 
Yeah. That could be a little scary sometimes for sure. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. And even like, even like being in certain classes where like mm-hmm. I realize like, fuck, I'm the only Asian guy in here. Yeah. It just like feels weird. It does. I don't know. I don't, I don't really like it, but okay. So this is more general, but so, and we've already touched on it, but so how do you relate to the overall narrative of identity specifically in terms of ethnicity of our project? Like what, what is your kind of summed down story of how you relate to this? Like how I, can you like explain that a little bit more? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So like in the documentary, we tackle themes of like identity and struggling with identity and the feeling of not being Asian enough, not being white enough. Like how has that been for you like throughout your life? Oh, like growing up? Yeah. I would say, well, so I grew up like through Asian American church. So mm. I had more friends through church than I did through like like school, middle school, high school, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming to UT, I guess I kind of felt like I've only hung out with Asians my whole life. So like I kind of want to, you know, experiment. Yeah, branch out. Yeah, branch out a little bit. And I loved it. But end of the day, like there was always that separation. Like who really am I? Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed hanging out with both, but I don't really like, you know, feel that connection. Like I said, um, mm-hmm. and I grew up a lot more differently than my sister did for sure. Cause my sister, she's 26 now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she grew up more, more like predominantly like having white friends mm-hmm. and then coming into college, she went like, she only hung out with Asian people. Really? And now that she's graduated, she's only hanging out with Asian people. Hmm. And I, I had like conversations with her as well. And she's like, she told me that like, she feels a little bit more comfortable around Asian people, which mm-hmm. I don't know, it gets me thinking a lot. So. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, you, so you talked about your parents mm-hmm. and you talked about your sister as well. And I wanted to ask like, how did your parents raise you? And I know that's broad, but like, were their stories of like growing up in Korea, like frequent conversations at the dinner table or between them, your sister and you, like, do you know a lot about it? Because I know a lot of Asians, including myself, like, I feel like I've really had to dig into my dad to, like, really know, like, how he was brought up. Yeah. Um, I honestly do, like, looking back at my relationship with my parents, I do feel a little bad because, like, pre-COVID, it was more about, like, like what I was doing, like, with my life in America mm-hmm. rather than, like, oh, mom and dad, like, how did you grow up, you know? Yeah. But I think COVID, like, made a lot of people, like, think and have – difficult conversations with their parents and I like I got up the courage to ask them like how did y'all grow up and Mm -hmm. to like hear how they did it was kind of a culture shock to me because like I don't know life there is so different than it is here yeah and I think it's crazy to think that like they're your parents yeah like they made you and they just are grew up so drastically different but it's like how were how did they grow up like where in Korea like like how do you think what were the main differences between you and them like as like childhood terms uh i'm sorry could you repeat that yeah i like, blanked out <laughs> what were your like how did your parents grow up like what were uh-huh. the biggest differences between their childhood versus your childhood okay or so i think so my parents my dad grew up in poverty like mm-hmm. he came to the u.s on a boat with like yeah. literally nothing my mom she was like she went to university she finished school there she was an art major i think that's where my creative side comes from mm-hmm. and then they both met in america um but yeah, my dad came from literally nothing. So like mm-hmm. the stories he tells me, I'm like, damn, this is like completely different from like someone who like grew up in the US and like had everything established here and everything. So and how does how does it relate to me? Is that what you're asking me? 
or just like what were like the biggest differences between y'all? Uh, I guess you talked about it. To be honest, bro, I haven't really talked to them about it. But like, really? like looking at it from a broader perspective, um, yeah, I feel like I should have these conversations with them more. So I think the Philippines would it's gonna help me a lot because mm-hmm. like we're out to the Philippines. I'm gonna go straight to Korea where they're from. Yeah. So it's a very interesting like perspective and mm-hmm. dynamic. So, dude, I think like, I think it's hard asking your parents those type of questions. It is, especially when you know that they did grow up so differently from you. Yeah. But like, for this documentary, I like I went home last weekend, and I asked my both my parents, uh, "Do you think we are different because we are of different ethnicities?" And my white mom was like, "No, I don't think so." Blah blah blah. My dad was like, yes. And he explained, like, everything was just different. Because he, he moved here when he was 21. So your mom went to university in Korea. Mm-hmm. So she probably came around that same age. She came. They came late. My late? parents came around, like, their 30s, 35, Oh, damn. 36. They came late. Yeah. So they, like, not only grew up, but, like, became adults and, like, not even young adults. Like, adults. Yeah, adults they had, like, Korea. no time to, like, they just have to get straight to work. Yeah. Like, they had no time to just, like, assimilate, mm-hmm. really. Damn. But yeah, my dad was saying, like, we're just so fundamentally different because when you grow up in a different place, especially like in a different country across the world, like the culture is different. The communal identity is different. Like the religion is different. Like all these things that like make up society are just drastic opposites. Yeah. And so he told me that he sees me as way different from him, which was crazy because like growing up, my like family would always tell me like oh you're so much like your dad but then to hear from him saying that like no we're not the same like that was crazy how did that make you feel i don't know it made me like it was interesting to me but it was also like sad you know because like that's my dad and again like i had been like compared to him for so long in my life and then like and i've looked up to him a lot I look up to a lot of parts of him and like how he is with people and how he is like with the community and everything. And so I thought like, since we're similar, like I'll do the same things. But then he said like, we are so different. And so then it's like, fuck, like that's something that I can't control. But now it's like, I'm almost working uphill to get to where he is. I see. And maybe it's like not that way, really. Like maybe it's not working uphill, it's just from different places. But I think whenever he told me that, like that's how I saw it. Cause I look up to him since we are different, I have to work harder to get to where he is. And I don't even mean that in terms of like success or career or whatever, but just like he giving back and helping people has always been like his guiding principle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always tried to adopt similar things of that. But he told me that like, that's just the way it is in the Philippines, that everyone helps each other. And so he was just always brought up that way. And in the U.S., it's not that way at all. I feel like here it's very cutthroat, everyone for yeah. themselves. It's so individualistic. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. I think e- that even plays into the whole thing of, like, like in BLM, when people would, like, post the black screens, it was, like, yeah. now they feel like they have to help other people. Mm-hmm. Or, like, all this performative activism stuff where, like, they post all these, they feel like they need to post all of these things of whatever war is going on so that their yeah. followers think that they're a good person i feel like it's all for like that show no. it is yeah and i think it's just because it's not a real part of our culture where in like a lot of places in asia it is where like you help each other and you grow up in a community 
so that's engraved in you but it's not mm-hmm. here and so people have to like make up for it by like posting screenshots of their donations or like showcasing that they're good people and all this shit which is just so i think a lot of it is so fake yeah or do you think social media has like something to do with it or is a big part of it of that of like the way people act like that you know i think social media is definitely a big part of it because yeah. now like we're always in constant comparison with every everybody else but like i do think it's and maybe i'm ignorant here because i'm an american and i live in america but i feel like it's an american thing of social media mm. because like we are i think inherently so individualistic that when a big societal problem comes up we need to prove to everybody else that we're not we're more than that yeah because like bro and some of this shit pisses me off bro like like we just had this winter storm in austin and it's like people that like like it's one thing to like post like access to resources for people that need it mm-hmm. but it's like when a sorority girl will post like if you're homeless go here it's like what homeless people are following you yeah that's what i'm saying right you know and it's like i guarantee you like a donation of a dollar will do so much more than that post and it's like the accounts that are making it i think have great intention behind them yeah like they're spreading the resources and everything but then like the individual you know white girl from from dg that's posting <laughs> it like she's not helping nobody but herself and her own appearance but i think that is inherently like american the way that we need to express that we that do like, want to help like others. hey look i'm trying to help exactly like, you're doing it for like more others than like the people actually in need yeah i i really think that is the way i think that like when like my dad does it he doesn't do that shit for show mm-hmm. like he just grew up in a family and in a community where like you give back to those around you yeah and so he will just always do it like he doesn't have to second guess it mm-hmm. but it's different okay um okay this is broad and we've talked about this the whole time but what do you think are some of the struggles of being specifically a first generation Asian American? First gen is like coming to the US, right? Like no, first generation is what you are. Like your parents came, but you were the first generation born in America. Mm. You know, it's interesting because um, I had a roommate and his parents were born here. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I live with him for a year. Yeah. And I could definitely tell like some differences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I always grew up like very frugal because my dad like came to the u.s and he met my mom because he was selling like stuffed animals on the yeah. streets and stuff like flea not on the streets but like flea markets yeah um so it was very humbling and then i my uh my roommate's parents they grew up and they had like like very corporate america jobs mm-hmm. so it was kind of like interesting to see that dynamic i guess um and see like how differently he he like Holds himself compared to like someone with like first gen parents, whatever. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I think like first generation specifically is like a whole different set of identity and struggles. Yeah. Because like we're the people that like our parents, and it's, I did not know your parents came when you were, they were like in their mid 30s. They came really late. They had me late too. When did they have, how old were they when they had your sister, like their first kid? My sister, I actually don't know, but don't know. I know well, my dad's 62. Mm-hmm. He's an old head. <laughs> yeah. My mom is three years below that. So, and I'm 21. You can do the math on that. Yeah, so your dad was 
41 when he had you and 36 when he had your sister. Yeah. But That's, damn, 36. He had a, your sister like pretty soon after he came here. No, he was all like, I'm telling you, bro, it was all fast. He got married like really quick too, my mom. Yeah, that's crazy. Damn, he like hardly even. He like barely got settled and he was just like, okay, American dream. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. And like he hardly like experienced America for himself. Yeah, that's why you know? I feel like almost selfish. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel very pri- privileged to be like doing things mm-hmm. like this. Like for yourself. For myself. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because like my dad came when he was 21, but he didn't end up getting married until he was like 28. So really? he had seven years of like doing whatever. Dang, but so he got married as a youngin. I mean, that's like I mean, that's normal like average. Age. Yeah. yeah. My, he was. Oh, no, no. He was 30. My mom was 28. So he um, had nine years here. But he came as part of the church. That was the only reason he came to the States. Um, and they sponsored his trip to come over here so he could be, a, like, a pastor. Really? Yeah. Is he very religious? I mean, obviously. He is. Um, but he came here and was, like, studying theology, like, to be a pastor and everything. And then he decided, uh, but then he experienced racism within the church. Like, he felt like, because he came with a cohort of, like, other Filipinos. Yeah. And he said that they were just, like, say bad things and like treat them differently and so he decided to drop out of the church but then because he dropped out he had no sponsorship anymore so they sent him back no way so they sent him back to the philippines and then he had to scrounge up money he borrowed a thousand dollars from somebody he knew and he came back to the u.s that's crazy when like he wasn't supposed to for real <laughs> so he's he was like I, I think he was illegal <laughs> I, I don't know Same with my dad but he like somehow Loopholes, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I've been scared to ask him like that question. Yeah. Like were for you legal, legal reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, just we're joking. <laughs> <laughs> this is made up. Yeah. But and so like he but so like because he did come over with those Filipinos, he was still kind of in a community of like people that were like him. But yeah, like he didn't he still had more time than your dad as just like an American. That's crazy. Like come here sell stuff to animals, get married, have a kid. All that's in, like, four years. Yeah. But I think right now he's starting to, like, slow down. I mean, obviously really? he's getting a little older. But, like, growing up, he was very, like, fast-paced type of guy. Mm-hmm. So I could see, like, where I get my, you know, mm-hmm. impulsive-ass yeah. Philippines trip decisions yeah. from. So He'd he still be getting now. He'd be going to the silent parties. Oh, yeah, you saw that? <laughs> yeah, you saw that video? He'd be dancing and shit. Yeah. Dude, that was funny. I like that <laughs> video. Okay. Well... We talked about, we've talked a lot about the race of it all, but now I just want to ask about you more generally. So when you were growing up, I know that we talked about how your identity was always kind of a struggle of Mm -hmm. like not feeling Asian enough, not feeling white, whatever. But what were kind of the other big questions that kept you up at night when you were like in middle school or high school? Mm. It was always like, why can't I fit in or why? I always felt like I was an outsider. But Just, was, like, in general? Yeah. Um, hmm. I was on the basketball team, and that was tough, bro. Only Asian kid. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, going to away games, too. That shit was nerve-wracking. Like, Dude. Yeah. Like, racial slurs, bro. But it was always, like, damn, like, like why are we so, like, seen as outsiders? Like, why are we, sh- like, shit, quote-unquote shit on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, like, I honestly hated being Asian. Really? high school yeah i feel like now i kind of like i'm more proud of it mm-hmm. i am proud of it yeah um 
But yeah, I did not like it in high school. Didn't like it in middle school. I wouldn't be white. Like like I said, I wanted to be like Shia LaBeouf, you know, yeah. like <laughs> my role model and stuff. From Transformers. Yeah. But now I learned to like kind of embrace my culture, appreciate it more, be mm-hmm. very thankful for where I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a big question I had. Like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Whenever I was, I wasn't doing anything wrong, you know? Dude, I think the intersection of being Asian and playing basketball was crazy. Cause I felt all that same shit. Like I felt like I would go to AAU tryouts. No one was fucking looking at the short Asian kid. Exactly. And like you go into like the gym, like even just like the rec, just shooting around, and like someone's gonna call you Jeremy Lin. Like it's gonna happen every single time. Ninety percent of the time. Exactly. Uh-huh. And then like you just like learn to embrace it and like shit. But like fuck, why? Like that's so lame and just like racist. Mm-hmm. But like I like I was always the only Asian kid on the team, and I felt like. Because I was Asian and playing basketball, people didn't think I was strong. Like people thought I just needed to spot up and shoot. Yeah. Or like all this shit. And like it was that was something that was tough for real. Especially like when we were in like middle school, like hoop dreams. And you played against fucking Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Bro. But like we I don't I'm I'm assuming the same about you, but like basketball was like a big deal for us. It was. Like, I feel like if you're like a little bit good at basketball, like there there would be a whole Asian community like supporting you. Mm-hmm. You know, like they'll look up to you type beat. Yeah. But it was like basketball was like my world, you know, for like a yeah. couple of years. Like, like I was never any anything that fucking good. But Same I remember, with me. Yeah. But I remember like freshman year checking like class of 2020 top 100 Texas basketball players, like hoping I'd be on there. Like the same shit. Bro, for real? Yeah. I would never be fucking on there. There's no shot I'd be on there. But like I used to think about shit like that. Mm-hmm. But like, bro, being Asian and playing them hoes, like wasn't easy. It wasn't wasn't at all. And like I would think about real shit, like, because I knew I was better than some people. And like I'd go to these tryouts, and I would say like, damn, like if I was black, I would have made this team, you know? Yeah. But I think, and I don't think that that's like ignorant for me to say. Like I feel like that's honestly true. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, what what were the other questions outside of basketball, outside of your race, that were like big for you? Because like. I remember growing up, I thought a lot about, like, what I was going to do with my life or, like, when I was going to start a family or, like, what girls I'm into, like, shit like that. Right now, like, like what what keeps me up at night right now or, like, back then? Back, back then and now. Okay. Back then, it was more like I was a really shitty student yeah. in high school, so it was always like, bro, like, am I going to go to college? Yeah. Like. Um, I don't know if I told you, I think I did tell you this, right? I didn't get into A and M. Yeah. I was like fifty percentile in my my school. Mm-hmm. And being an Asian, bro, and yeah, being fifty yeah, percentile, yeah. that was tough. Yeah. Because everyone's like, Oh, he's one of those Asians. Yeah. Literally. I'm like, ah. But yeah, I just prioritized other stuff in high school, portfolio. Mm-hmm. And then somehow UT got me into their film school. So that worked out in the end. That that's honestly what kept me up, um, like goal wise in high school. Um, right now, Dude, I just want to be, like, successful. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be, like, outwardly successful, like, like on social media or anything. But, like, I just want to be, like, I want to have something that will, like, I can create and inspire others yeah. to, you know, do that as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I got into film because I would always make stuff, like, for my church. Mm-hmm. And then they would, like, play it before service. And I could see, like, people, you know, getting hyped for it. I was like, damn, yeah. like, that, that feels good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, are you screening, too? 
yeah. one of these junior films at UT. Dude, like, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, like bro. having an audience watch like, you your feel stuff. like you want to cry. Yes, <laughs> every like time. Uh huh. My bad. I couldn't make it to your screening. No, nah, you're good. Dude, I, I'm pissed that I couldn't go to yours because they it's fucking changed the time like yeah. the day of. That was ho. Yeah. I just want to make people feel something. Yeah. Dude, I think a lot of the questions that have kept me up at night haven't changed. Like, really? Yeah. I, college was a big one for me in high school, too, because um, I felt like I had a good film portfolio, but I didn't have like the best test scores. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to get into these schools or like some of these schools. And what did you like, score? I got a 1280. Way better than mine. What did you get? <laughs> uh, actually, I was in the 12, low 12s. 12, low 12s? Low 12s. Bro, but like we're both in the lower 25% of UT. Yeah. Like, bro. Were you not auto? No. Neither of us not. were. Yeah. But like, bro, half of our friends got fucking like 15 somethings. They're like 1560s. Yes. My roommate what? got a, my current roommate got like a 1580. I'm like, damn. Yes, bro. And like, Parth got like a 1530. Jesus Christ. Ron got like a 1560. Aubie got a 1530. Like, all them hoes are smart as fuck. And like, I was not like that. How'd that make you feel coming into college? Dude, I was really scared. It made honestly. me feel like I didn't belong for the longest time. You had that like imposter syndrome? Yeah, bro. Dude, I, I was really scared going into it because I was like, fuck, like, I am not going to be as smart as these people, like, test score wise. But then, and honestly, bro, like, we got into our first year of college, and it was online. But that shit was easy. It was low-key easier than high school, bro. Bro. And so I was like, I was like, this is a good school? Like, think about, I thought about this a lot. This might sound bad to anybody that goes there, but, like, what does being a communication major look like at Texas Tech? If it's this easy here? Exactly. Yeah. Like, like what do they do all day? Because, like. I think if we didn't keep ourselves busy with like friends or like extracurricular shit, mm-hmm. we'd be bored as fuck with just classes. I agree. Like we don't have that much shit homework for all. But I thought about college a lot. I thought about I thought about basketball a lot more back then. Um, but Damn, I, th- I had hoop dreams, bro. Bro, me too. <laughs> My five seven ass. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I I still thought about like what I was gonna do with my career, and I still think about that same thing now. And I I think I. I've always thought so much about girls, like so much. Really? Yeah. Like, like to this day? Or, I mean, you're cuffed now. Yeah. I did back then, but it was like, I don't know. I've always wanted to like have success first and then the girl after. Really? Or honestly, it would be nice to like grow with the girl too. Sure. You know, like one of those stories where like she's with you from the bottom to the top. Yeah. But I've never seen it that way. I think I've always like, seen love and success separately where like whenever it happens it happens but like Mm -hmm. i don't ever see myself like like i want to find love first and then my career or i want to find my career first and then love i see um i have an example so like the reason why i feel that way is because i've only had one previous girlfriend um Mm -hmm. but i felt like i loved her but i felt like i couldn't do like like love her and work on my career really yeah it felt like I don't want to say it, but like, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Holding me back. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. It's a lot of feelings at the same time, especially like, mm-hmm. it was just too much for me to like juggle all at once. Yeah. So. And it's a lot just to fucking think about mm-hmm. like, cause career is a heavy topic and love is a fucking heavy topic. Right. But I don't know. I think, bro, 
like I used to think about girls nonstop. <laughs> like I was that you dog, guy. bro. <laughs> no, that's not true. Had that dog. Doesn't mean you. I was successful. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't think. I don't think in the past. I'm 20 now. In the past seven years, I don't think there's been a day that's gone by that I didn't have a crush on somebody. Really? Yeah. That's a good thing, though. I feel like that's yeah. pretty healthy. Keeps like, me entertained. Yeah. Gives me something to think about. I feel like we're as humans, you're like, we need someone. We need people to, like, you know, talk to at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's so. Bro, but some people aren't like that. Like, my roommate, Aubie, like, he said, like, at the beginning of college, like, I don't want to have any girlfriend. I just want to focus on school. And he's fucking stuck to it. Really? Yes. And like he like like he's a good looking guy. Girls have crushes on him. He just like won't go on dates. He won't entertain anything. He won't try anything. Cause he's like, I will try stuff after college. And that's crazy to me. What's what's his reasoning? Does he have like a specific reason? I think it's just like he wants to be able to folk he thinks college is like a time to like figure out himself, like both himself and like what he's doing with his career and focus on his education. And I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's talked about too how like College is definite. Like, there's you're only, you're only there for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And it's like if you start a relationship with somebody and you really do fall in love with them, there's no saying that you could keep going after college because you could move across the nation or across the world, you know? Mm. But, like, I could never do that. Like, I don't think – I think about, I think about girls too much to just, like, not <laughs> do that. <laughs> I think you're just a dog. That's not true. <laughs> Kennedy, I love you. <laughs> Okay. Well, then, even, okay, in general, how do you think was your transition from high school to college? Because I know you said, like, you had the imposter syndrome when you got here, and you didn't even think you were going to get into UT. So, like, how was that feeling whenever you first got to college? And then, like, how did that change, like, as college went along? Mm. Bro, let me tell you, I was different in high school. I was, really? I was, like, not who I am today. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was just, like, this unconfident kid who was, like, shelled up. And then mm. I feel like college really pushed me, college and COVID really pushed me to like, I don't know, expand my circle, like be more proud of who I am, I guess, be a little mm -hmm. bit more confident. Still working on that to this day, but it's helped me a lot, like being at this school. And I feel like mm -hmm. I only did it because I got this opportunity to come here. Like, um, I was really upset because like all my friends are going to these Ivy League schools. Like, yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm going to be probably gonna be staying at home at UH. UH is a great school, but I just didn't want to be home at the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my boys go there. Me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that step really made me, you know. Really broke you out of your shell? Yeah. Hmm. Well, perfect, that brings me to my next thing. So, you told me that you're shy, and I just don't believe it. What? I just don't believe it. So I'm, I'm mad shy. So I'm ask I'm asking you. How? And this is a weird question. How are you shy, or why are you shy? And is it a fear of like public speaking, uh -huh. or do you just like not care to like talk to certain people, or? No, it's not that. Like I love. Okay, then okay, what okay, is okay, it? Wait, I'll, let me. You can finish your question. Or do you already finish it? No, I have one more part. Okay. Okay. So it was. Is it a fear of public speaking, a lack of a desire to talk to certain people, or is that just something you say to seem cuter? Bro, <laughs> all right. A lot of people think I'm like when I tell people I'm shy and like I'm introverted. They're like, Nah, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really am. Like, I I love meeting new. I say I'm like the ambivert. I love mm -hmm. meeting new people, but on a smaller scale, you know. Like, I can't be like too overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that rooted from like high school. Cause in high school, I I only had like a really small group of friends, like a 
very small circle of friends, like three, four people. Mm-hmm. I'm still homies with them today. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where it roots from. Like, I don't know. It's always about like quality over quantity. Over quantity for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think growing up too, like I wasn't the most outspoken outspoken person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not to this day either. Uh, I mean, I know you, you don't think I am. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe that's just maybe that's just a testament to like how good UT has really been for you. Because I feel yeah. like you have met so many good people where you can be around a bunch of people but still not seem introverted. And I guess that might be mean that you really did find great people to be friends with. And that's a great thing. Because, I, dude, I really feel for people that like come to college and they just like don't really meet their people. Mm. Like that must suck. Cause I feel like we're both lucky. We're like we have great friends. Yeah, I do like, feel very blessed. Like yeah, and like not only are like they fun and shit to hang around with, but like they're like supportive of us. Yeah, and I think that's like huge. Cause like the industry that we're going into, like that shit is hard. But like both of our friends like totally believe that like we're gonna make it. Mm-hmm. And like that's crazy that they have that faith in us with like not knowing that much. Yeah, but yeah, I feel lucky too. Like about. Honestly, like my whole college experience. And I could graduate right now and I'd be, yeah, I'd be satisfied. Me too. And I think it's crazy that like I I couldn't even imagine going to any other school at this point. Really? No. Like I think UT was like the place for what about me. USC. <laughs> well bro, I fucking decided not to go. And that shit was expensive. Yeah, not I don't think it's worth it. I mean, you saw the guy from UCLA and he said yeah. he loves our program. Mm-hmm. So. But, dude, it's crazy because whenever I denied USC, I really thought I was going to, like, be constantly wondering, like, if I made the right decision or not. Mm. But I have not thought about that once. Really? Like, I've been fully confident, like, that this was the right decision for me to stay. And it's leading us to making a fucking documentary. Yeah, you know? bro. We couldn't have done this without it. It's like, I think this was, like, the smartest choice I could have made mm-hmm. to stay. Especially in Austin, like, a growing city. Yeah. I feel fresh out here, like. Mm-hmm. Dude, and the film scene here is small, but it's so tight knit. And like, I I've met some really cool people here that I really like. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a two part question. I'm gonna give them the first part first. So, if you could tell your younger self anything, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Ooh. And you can pick the age of younger. Damn. Okay. I would say like, let's see. In middle school, I was like. Very immature, so mm-hmm. probably like freshman year of college. Um, don't care too much about what people think about you, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there, and don't be afraid to speak your mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like a big part of my introvertism um, was like based off of like me just being scared of what people thought about me, and mm-hmm. I still struggle with that today. Yeah, but I've gained like like I said, I gained more confidence. Um, mm-hmm. But I wish I like gained that skill. A little bit earlier in life, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time I don't because I feel like I would have peaked in high school. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like I'm gonna peak in college, so I'm scared, <laughs> bro. No, Tons of people peak in college. Yeah, but no, I don't think you're gonna peak in college. Okay, so this is the second part. If your younger self knew that you're going to the Philippines to make a documentary at 21 years old, what do you think they would say? I think I think young Ed would shit his pants. <laughs> <That> <laughs> He'd I, soil himself because um. I don't know. I got into it like 
I think sophomore, junior year, and, like, I've always dreamed of, like, what I would be doing with it in the next couple of years because I knew I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. whether it was directing, producing, or just making, like, films with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty with this field, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And if I told myself, my younger self, that I was going to be doing this at 21 years old, I'd be like, wow. Like, I'm so, I'd be so proud of myself. No. Yeah. I think I'd, I would be too. I think I would think that I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we're doing this shit, but I think it'll work out. Okay. And we, so we just talked about this in the car. Um, and it was something that I really didn't know exactly where you stood. But, so now maybe you do. But what are your goals in your career? What do you want to do with it? Mm. So I realized, um, Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I told you I want to do like producing and directing, mm-hmm. but directing is not my strong suit. Um, you've been on set with me, directing. That was my first time directing, by the way. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. But I gotta say, I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And I feel like it's not about what people think about you; it's about the amount of fun you have. Yeah. And the, the final product. Yeah. And I'm very unorganized, but I like I like bringing people together, and that's a lot about what producing is. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't show up to class, class <laughs> but I know like the general concept of it. And I'm yeah. like, this is really interesting. Um, I'm going to try producing a lot this year, seeing mm-hmm. if I want to go through through with it. And obviously work on my, my videography skills, see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of it, I really want to come out with producing. Really? Producing and like maybe camera operating. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's so interesting. So you have no interest in writing? Dude, writing is not my strong suit. No. I think I can like think of very creative things, but I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good mm-hmm. writer. Because I think being like a cam op or like being like a cinematographer DP, mm-hmm. that's like what I'm the worst at. Really? Or yeah. Or I feel like that's what I not only worst at, or no, that's what I at least want to do, but probably because I'm the worst at it. Mm. But I think writing is my strong suit. And that's what I don't want to do because I feel like I'm the worst at it. Yeah. So our strengths are our weaknesses. Yeah. We're complementary to each other. But no, I, I don't... I, like, envy the people that love working with the camera. Really? Yeah. I envy writers. <laughs> I'm not just <laughs> saying this to say this. Yeah. But I'm like, damn, people can actually, like, sit there and, like, bust out a whole story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, my, like, low attention span, I just can't do that. <laughs> like, you, know? you don't be journaling? Uh, I used to, actually. You used to? But I know Faith does. Yeah, she just yeah. started. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm get back into it though. I know like, it's helped her a lot. I'm sure it helps you too. Mm-hmm. Dude, I think it's helped me so much like both, I mean mostly just personally, but also like in like my career or whatever as like wanting to be a writer. And where like, I'll be writing a script now and I'll look back at my journal from like freshman year of college and read it and like see how, I'm, how I was feeling. Really? And then I'll like put that into the script. Or like I'll try to like remember those same emotions and like see what words will like come out of it. Yeah. But I think I try to do it like I do it a couple of times a week. And bro, I like I'll be like doing homework and I'll be like, fuck it, I'm gonna take a break and write in my journal. And I'll do it for like two hours. Oh, and it's shit. like the best two hours of my day. I love it. Okay. It's like relaxing for your mind, I bet. Yeah. Getting and away from your phone, technology yeah. and stuff, everyday life. And it feels just it just feels good to like all the fucking like questions and thoughts that you have like going ar- around in your head like the whole day just like get them out yeah like it feels like a like a release like every single time i do it 
So you should do it. I think you would like it. I'm going to get into it. I'll let you know if I do. Yeah. Okay. So I think I've told you about this, but I've been doing all these self docs for the documentary, self tapes where I put the camera up and I talk to myself. Um, And I basically just explain like what we've done so far, the progress we've made, how I'm feeling. But at the end, I ask myself five questions every time. Did you know that part? Not about five questions, but I know you ask yourself some questions every day. Mm-hmm. So those five questions, um, I've done a bunch of times now throughout this year that we've been working on this, and I want to ask them to you. And so it's for right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, so the first one is, are you happy? Am I happy? I would say, yeah, I'm like, I'm happy for what I have, but as far as like career, I'm not satisfied. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm not content with like what I what I have, which is like kind of selfish of me to say, but I don't know. I just feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. So mentally, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, blessed. Career-wise, not so much. Okay. Okay, going off of that, what makes you happy? What are the things that, in your everyday routine or just in general, what makes you happy? Mm. Um. Definitely the small things. Um, mm-hmm. I think as I get older, and that's how you know I'm getting old. Like I enjoy just like taking time for myself. Yeah. Um, I go out a lot by myself. I don't know if you knew this, but like if I'm ever really stressed out or like I just want to like chill, I'll just drive around Austin, uh, maybe walk around. Mm-hmm. I love walking, long yeah. walks, small things that matter. You know, yeah. it's not, it doesn't have to be like. For me, like if I if you asked me this question like a year or two ago, it'd be like. Like going out to this party, you know, yeah. like that makes me happy, but no, mm-hmm. no. Okay. Yeah. Number three, and we already kind of asked this one, but what questions keep you up at night now? Ooh. Did we answer this one? Maybe. I don't know. Um, what questions keep me up at night right now? Yeah. Hmm. I want to say probably career again mm-hmm. I'm very worried about it and I feel like at this age there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to be successful quote-unquote successful whatever that means for whoever um, but I don't know I feel like the past three years of my college experience I've been in this rat race like what's gonna happen after grad mm-hmm. where am I gonna enter in this summer yeah but this summer is a little different because I get a chance to like kind of slow down and find out where I came from Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay and the last one this one's a little cheesy and I hate answering it myself but maybe you'll have a great answer and I've, I've had to ask this fucking question myself on camera like 10 times but what is your message to the world oh damn this is a big one yeah it is a big one I mean a little cheesy but it like, is a little cheesy it's important I feel like <laughs> yeah I feel like if you look around nowadays, everyone's so separated. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so like, like you said, like not willing to help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I really wish like people would just show more love. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, love is honestly like all we got in this world, bro. Like if we were Preach. to like strip everyone down yeah. for, like to, to their rawest form, that's all we got. Mm-hmm. Not just family, like. I don't know. If you walk around, you can, like, literally see some people, like, walk around with, like, a cloud over their head. Like, mm-hmm. damn. Um, I wish I can just give them a hug or some shit. Yeah. But, but yeah. Happiness. 
Yeah. Spread happiness. Spread spread love. Yeah, and love hard. Mm-hmm. Well, sweet. Okay. That's all the questions I have for you. Um, but so this this podcast comes out on Tuesday. Um, which is when everything comes out. Fuck, I'm so excited. Dude, this is going to be crazy. I'm hyped. And we have this shoot this weekend. Um, I want to explain the timeline for everybody still now of everything we've been doing so far. Uh-huh. And so I think it was like mid-January that you hopped on. And we had our first meeting like a week later. And then we set Valentine's Day for the deadline for um, all of our socials in the beginning of our fundraising campaign. So that comes Tuesday. We do all that. Then I think in my head, the next step is grants, applying to grants. And I think that will go from um, Valentine's Day to spring break. And then spring break is good fill. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, fucking fingers crossed, we can. That's a big one. Right that's there. a big one. We get yeah. something there. Because then my idea of everything is by the end of good fill, we would have already applied to grants and we've already gone to good fill. That's the bulk of our fundraising done. Um, at least even if we don't raise everything, we've had applied to grants already. So that money might come, but that's mm-hmm. mostly the extent of what we're doing. And then I think spring break ends like mid end of March. I think that last month is really like the technical producing of creating schedules and having names and contacts of everyone who we're interviewing and like getting everything ready to go when we go to April or when we go in April and then April 27th to May 13th is the time we go shoot. And then after that, just fucking editing and then hopefully distribution. Yeah. yeah. But damn, bro, this shit's going by fast. It is. It's coming by like quicker than I anticipated it to be, but. But we're staying on top of it. Yeah, we are. We are. I feel like you're carrying more. But <laughs> I think come Monday, you're going to have a lot more shit. Because mm. then it's more of your realm. Once we have the deliverables and then outreaching and marketing, marketing. stuff. Got to contact FSAs. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be good. And FSA fucking loves you. <laughs> like, uh, it's way better that you're t- talking to them than I am. I mean, shit. Hey, <laughs> chill, bro. You make me blush. Everybody loves them. Man. Okay. Well, I think that's about it. You have anything else you want to say? I'm just happy to be here, bro. <laughs> Offer the vibes. All right. Well, thank you, Ed, for coming on. Appreciate you for having me, bro. Of course. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to this episode, to all the past episodes. It means the world to me. Um, and please um, check out Bahalana Documentary on Instagram. Check out our project. And if you want to donate, that'd be amazing. We would love you forever for it. I'll kiss your forehead as many times as you want. Um, if you want to share it, same thing. That means the world to us. Or just bring up any conversation that it might arise that the project might arise from you. I think in essence, what we want to do is just share this message. And so if it brings up any conversations with your friends, with your family, with anything, I think that means that we were in some part successful. So um, stay tuned. We're so, so excited to make this and to give this to the public and to do it for ourselves. Um, But yeah, hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your day. Um, Stay safe. Don't total your car. And... See you next time.